How are you? Very good. Okay. So. Om Gyana Timirandasya, Gyana Anjana Sarakaya, Chakshirun Militam Dena Tazmai Shri Namam Shubraya Krishna Prashtaya Bhutale Shimati Bhakti Viranta Shamaditi Namane Namaste Sarasati Vengauravani Pucharine Nirvisesa Sunyavadi Prasatale Shatarine Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabho Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Shri Asari Gaura Bhakta Binda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare Hare Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare Yes, I noticed you are also here. Yes. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. What's your name? I never, I've never called you by your name yet. <laughs> okay, good. Where are you staying? Gornagar. Gornagar. Everyone's staying in Gornagar. It's like... New York. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. Huh? Something like that. Um, okay. Um, as I said, I just uh, sort of looked at this at the last minute. Something that I know is... Uh, has always left a, a deep mark on me. Uh, when I first read it, uh, I was in teachings of Lord Chaitanya, because there was no Chaitanya Charitamrita at that time. And uh, it was so beautiful. In fact, uh, when I compare the two, I think that Prabhupada's description in teachings of Lord Chaitanya is nicer than it is here. And I, I don't know, maybe it was in 1971 or 72. Uh, it's, uh, it's such a, well, sweet description because it's about Krishna's sweetness. And this chapter is called The Opulence and Sweetness of Lord Krishna. Now I've skipped the opulence, uh, hundred verses, because everyone likes sweet things as opposed to opulent things. That's our, that's our line, that's our sampradaya. However, as we know, in order to be able to appreciate sweetness, then you have to be able, you have to know and be able to appreciate opulence. So Krishna's talking about uh, his opulence in the 10th chapter, and he said, well, what's, what's the point of all of this? Uh, it's, just, it's just a little fraction of uh, my uh, potencies. Uh, not much 
about Krishna's sweetness in Bhagavad Gita. We use this word, uh, sweetness. You are late. <laughs> and uh, it's like in school, people are not late for class. Everyone's got excuses. Um, what was the last thing I was saying? Not much about sweetness in Bhagavad Gita. You mentioned that there was not much about sweetness in Bhagavad Gita, about Krishna. Yes, not much. Although the Bhagavad Gita is sweet. Now we use this word sweetness. What, what is it? Is it that if you suck, <coughs> suck on Krishna's finger, then it's sweet like sugar? Or what, is, what does sweetness mean? What is? Someone want to venture a explanation of what is sweetness? It's inconceivable, attractive. Inconceivably attractive. Inconceivably attractive, almost. It's uh, it's actually Rupa Goswami describes it as uh, inconceivable and excessive beauty. Excess. Beauty. Not just attraction, but beauty. Uh, and perhaps it's one of those things that. Uh, you experience, but it's very hard to uh, explain beauty, attractiveness, uh, the uh, extraordinary, sweet <laughs> activities that uh, Krishna displays as a as a child, uh, which is unique to him. There's no such thing as baby Narayan. It's just um, only, only Krishna. <laughs> yes. And uh, so we've had a description of Krishna's opulence. Uh, and now Chaitanya Mahaprabhu drifts in a certain direction. I, I mean, devotees who give classes, they know that uh, unless you've really nailed down all your points in advance, there's a tendency to drift. And in English, this is, oh, I'm speaking in English. Anyway, in English, <laughs> in English, there's a, there's a saying that uh, a man must speak his mind, what's on his mind. So ultimately, what's in a person's mind eventually starts to come out and you go for a drift. Now, sometimes that's very uh, anticlimactic. In other words, if some, ta some devotee has some political agenda on his mind and he starts talking about that, uh, or, uh, you know, there's things that are not relevant. Uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is also drifting towards this sweetness, 
but it's relevant because uh, from Krishna's opulence, then the natural uh, consequence is that you come actually to speaking about Krishna's sweetness. And so he does just that, and uh, he drifts real fast. Uh, he goes right into uh, not just Krishna's childhood pastimes, but he goes into uh, Krishna's pastimes with the gopis. So he finished Krishna Aishwarya, Opara Amritera Sindhu, Ova Gahite Nari, Tara Chula Eka Bindu. The unlimited potencies of Krishna are just like an ocean of nectar. Since one cannot bathe within that ocean, I have only touched a drop of it. So it's also not austerity, it's nectar. Aishwarya kahite prabhura krishna spurti hoila madhuriye majila mana eka shloka padila. When Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was describing the opulences and spiritual potencies of Krishna in this way, there was an awakening of love of Krishna within him. His mind became immersed in the sweetness of conjugal love, and he quoted the following verse from Srimad Bhagavatam. So I use the word drift. Here uh, it says, Prabhura Krishna Spurti. Spurti uh, means a manifestation. So literally, Prabhupada's translating is awakening of love of Krishna, uh, but uh, literally it's uh, an awakening of Krishna. In other words, Krishna manifests within Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's heart, which is very interesting because Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna. <laughs> so how does Krishna manifest in Krishna's heart? Well, it's possible when he doesn't think that he's Krishna. So in this case, he's thinking of himself as a devotee. And as he starts talking, he's going to shift into thinking of himself as Srimati Radharani. So uh, in that way, in that case, uh, in some extraordinary way, uh, there can be a Krishna Spurti. This is uh, the same word that Lord Chaitanya used, Ishtadeva Spurti. Uh, when Ramananda Roy uh, saw Lord Chaitanya as Radha and Krishna, and Lord Chaitanya said, this is a Spurti, this is your Ishtadeva Spurti you are seeing a manifestation of your Ishtadev. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu quotes, uh, and this is something that we should really learn. Uh, there's a verse, and then elaborating on that verse. Devotees should be able to explain verses, what verses mean and sometimes very threadbare. Uh, one way to learn is, of course, here in Chaitanya Charitamrita, because uh, 
Kaviraj Goswami, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu does it all the time. Do we want a little air movement here? Can you show me the huh? Can you show me the like? No, I think it would be good if it turned turned on. Yeah, both. That's good. Uh, what did I say? Kaviraj Goswami is doing it all the time. But there's elaboration on the verses. We should be able to elaborate on the verses. Yeah, we should be able to describe, elaborate uh, on uh, verses. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, is teaching us how to do that. And of course, Srila Prabhupada is, is always, from the very, very beginning, Prabhupada expected us to learn verses. Uh, learn verses for the sake of preaching, learn verses, for, boy, you're really late. When I, I was in school, if you came late, they were just sent away. You can't come late. Either you come on time or don't come. Uh, what? <laughs> Verses, for, uh, verses we should learn to, for preaching and for... Um. Prabhupada wanted us to learn verses for preaching. Learn verses as a mental discipline. Because it uh, activates your mind, makes your mind very active. To uh, learn shlokas, to learn verses. Uh, only lazy people don't learn uh, verses. And it's worship. It's worship of Krishna. Being able to repeat Krishna's words. Uh, okay. Who knows a hundred verses? One, two. You're not sure? One, two, two people know 100 verses. Okay, but there's 700 just in the Bhagavad Gita. All Indians should know the Bhagavad Gita off by heart. What to speak of uh, uh, the Srimad Bhagavatam and Chaitanya Charitamrita and other things. So be creative, figure out time when to learn verses. Uh, it's not, uh, it's not a hundred verses is nothing, it's peanuts. Uh, especially children, we can learn a verse a day. We can verse, learn two verses a day. Uh, it doesn't, doesn't take much. But if you don't preach, then you'll forget it. That's the key. So you have to use it. And when you use it, then you just, it's, Prabhupada would say, then it's uh, yours for keeps. So devotees should uh, memorize verses. Uh, it's just laziness not to do that. Now, he quotes from the third canto. This is Uddhava speaking, a very famous verse. I won't ask who knows this verse, because I only know parts of it myself. Yanmar Jali Lopi Kam Svajoga 
mayabalam darshayita grihitam vishmapanam svasyaccha shubhagarde param padam bhushanabhushanangam That part everyone knows. Param padam bhushanabhushanangam Krishna is the ornament of ornaments. To exhibit the strength of his own spiritual potency, Lord Krishna manifests a form just suitable for his pastimes in the material world. This form was wonderful even for him and was the supreme abode of the wealth of good fortune. Its limbs were so beautiful that they increased the beauty of the ornaments worn on the different parts of his body. It's a third canto, Uddhava, uh, speaking to Vidura. Uh, I always have difficulty with this translation. It says, Lord Krishna manifests the form. In other words, it sounds like Lord Krishna is somebody else and he manifests this form. Or in other words, he has some other form and he manifests this form. Uh, I, yeah. It's, uh, it's obvious what's uh, trying to be expressed. Uh, I just, for me, I always stumble, stumble on the uh, uh, sequence. But it's, uh, uh, it's quoted very often. Now, this is something that Acharyas always do. And uh, uh, when the, in, in their own commentaries, books, and so on. And this verse is uh, quoted very often just to emphasize the, the beauty of Krishna's uh, body, how beautiful Krishna uh, actually is, is that we, uh, you know, we talk about, well, we're ornamenting Radha Damodar, and, uh, and he's so nicely dressed, and he's so nicely ornamented, but that's not really true. The dress and the ornaments don't do anything for Radha Damodar. Radha Damodar does something for the dress and the ornaments. So they, they become beautified, but it's not the other way around. He is the ornament of ornaments. And uh, that's usually the uh, context and the very extraordinary, attractive nature of uh, Krishna's body. We won't dissect this verse, but we see, let's see what Lord Chaitanya now is uh, saying. Krishnera yate kakela sarvottama naralila naravapu tahara svarupa gopavesha venukara navakishora nattabara Lord Krishna has many pastimes, of which his pastime as a human being, now this is Lord Chaitanya speaking, are the best. His form as a human being is the supreme transcendental form. In this form, he is a cowherd boy. He carries a flute in his hand, and his youth is new. He is also an expert dancer, all this is just suitable for his pastimes as a human being. Um, 
So just for sake of clarity, is that the, the original form of God, the original form of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, when we talk about Krishna, because Lord Chaitanya had been talking about many forms and expansions of Krishna, uh, is Krishna, a cowherd boy, in, uh, in his youth, Kishore, as a Kishore, uh, and uh, in a uh, relationship uh, with Srimati Radharani and the gopis. That is uh, the original position of God. And every other feature of God, even Krishna and Vrindavan, uh, is just a partial manifestation uh, of those original opulences. Krishnera Madhura Rupa Shuna Shanatan Jay Rupera Ekakon Dubhaya Shabatri Bhuvan Sharva Prana Kore Okarchan My dear Shanatan, the sweet, attractive, transcendental form of Krishna is so nice. Just try to understand it. Even a fractional understanding of Krishna's beauty can merge all three worlds in the ocean of love. He attracts all living entities within the three worlds. Sanatana Goswami and Brihad Bhagavatamrita uh, repeatedly uh, makes this point that language and words have a limit. They only go so far in being able to express especially transcendental subject matter, but even ordinary mundane subject matter. So how do, how do you even uh, explain in words or uh, communicate in words sweetness, the sweetness of some sweet? So how do you explain it in words? Uh, how, how does that taste of sweetness get to come across in, in sound. So you're limited as to what you can achieve. On the transcendental platform, uh, it works somewhat easier, but uh, even there we're limited. For instance, uh, if we want to uh, see God, then we say Hare Krishna. And if we're chanting the name of the Lord nicely, then we're actually seeing him through that sound, transcendental sound vibration. And all of his nijasarva shaktis, so full potencies of Krishna, are manifest just in that sound vibration. <coughs> but nonetheless, here we're saying one thing, just try to understand Krishna's beauty. There's a problem with that, just like in saying that Radha Damodar is nicely dressed. Uh, Krishna is not beautiful. Krishna is the source of beauty. So naturally he's beautiful because all beauty comes from him 
But when you, you know, we have to say that it's beautiful because that's, that's what we can relate to, that's what we have experience with. But when we say that uh, Krishna is beautiful, in one sense we're, we're demeaning him. We're saying that beauty is higher than Krishna and Krishna possesses some beauty. But actually it's the other way around. <clears throat> All beauty, yat yat vibhutimad sattvam shrimad urjitva evava. So Krishna says, I'm the source of all beauty and power, opulence. So Krishna is the source of all beauty. And when we say something's beautiful, uh, it's just a manifest, a small part of Krishna's beauty is being manifest. Either it's manifest in one of his energies, potencies, or in the material world, it's a reflection of his beauty. So either an ex direct expansion, or here, it's a reflection. Um, so, but here Lord Chaitanya is telling Sanatana Goswami, and he's telling us, he says, just try to understand it. So, once again, how will we understand? I mean, one thing is, you know, meditation. That's what yogis do. They, they meditate. They meditate on the transcendental form of the Lord. So, and the other form of meditation, as I mentioned earlier, is to chant Hare Krishna. By chanting Hare Krishna, one will ultimately, actually, the first feature that uh, emerges is one chants the holy name without offense is Krishna's form. Manifests within the mind and then his qualities and then his pastimes. So uh, just try to understand. So this is, we should ask ourselves, have we tried to understand Krishna's beauty? Have we actually, I'm sure you have, meditate, just on Krishna and how beautiful he is. Uh, have we uh, thought about the different features of uh, Krishna's beauty? Uh, his lotus feet uh, and the perfection of his limbs. Of, of course, his face and his smile, his eyes. So everything about Krishna is so enchantingly perfect. And the beauty of Krishna, when Lord Chaitanya says, try to understand it, the beauty of Krishna, you can drink Krishna's beauty, just like if you, you can uh, have a, a pot of uh, a pot, you go to a river, uh, as big as your pot is, that's how much water you can take. So similarly, what is the part by which you can appreciate Krishna's beauty? Through the ear. No. Love. Yes. Yes, attachment and ultimately love for Krishna is, is the, how big is your love for Krishna? And according to our love for Krishna, 
then we have greater and greater access to him, jijitamam prapadyante, and greater and greater access to his beauty. So that ultimately, Lord Chaitanya says on many times, it's like an ocean. You just like fall in the ocean and you know, you're, you don't know whether you're up or down or this way. I don't know if you've ever been deep in the water. So sometimes you get deep in deep water. You don't know what's up. You don't know this way that you don't know where you are. You don't know where to go. So uh, same thing. You fall into the ocean of Krishna's beauty. It's like endless uh, and it's ever fresh. Everything is always newer and newer and newer. So, uh, yes. Even a fractional understanding can merge all the three worlds in an ocean of love. So, love appreciates Krishna's beauty and Krishna's beauty invokes more and more love. It's always this type of reciprocal or as they say in chemistry it's a uh, when when a reaction goes this way and that that way as well reversible reversible equation or reversible reaction yeah not reversible but yeah so uh so love tastes beauty and beauty increases love and you see more beauty which increases love and it goes up and up and up and up and there's no end. It's endless. It's endless. Uh, and because it's endless and we're living entities are very small, therefore what's the result when you get into that dynamic? Ultimately, you faint because you can't contain it. It's too much. It becomes overwhelming. So, uh, the, the love and the beauty just becomes, it's, it's overwhelming. It's like, I don't know, if you eat too much or if you drink too much and you just, uh, you pass out. So uh, it's the same thing. Yogamaya chikshakti bishuddha sattva parinati tara shakti loke dekhaite eirupa ratan bhakta ganera gudhadhan prakat koela nitya leela haite. The transcendental form of Krishna is shown to the world by Lord Krishna's internal spiritual energy which is a transformation of pure goodness. This jewel-like form is the most confidential treasure of the devotees. This form is manifested from Krishna's eternal pastimes. This form is manifested from Krishna's eternal pastimes. Sounds like the pastimes come first and from the pastimes they're manifest in Krishna's eternal pastimes. Isn't it? Um, yes, Krishna's chit-shakti, Shakti, 
uh, is that by which uh, Krishna's form becomes manifest. So, mamamaya uh, duratyaya, or Krishna, excuse me, that's not what I wanted to say. So, Krishna saying that uh, uh, the sambhavami yuge yuge. How does it go? Prakritim samvishtaya sambhavami atma mayaya by my maya by my maya uh, here atma maya means his internal maya so he appears uh, Krishna is always uh, under or Krishna is always uh, in the uh, association and uh, energy of his own internal potency. Even though he's in the material world, he's never touched by his external potency. And Krishna really goes to uh, real extremes uh, not to connect with the uh, internal, uh, with the external energy. So even, you know, when we, we see Krishna expands his Balaram. Balaram is Mahashankarshan. Mahashankarshan uh, expands ultimately as Mahavishnu. Then ma- the glance, Mahavishnu glances uh, over the material energy and the halo, the reflection of the halo of the glance. So there's a glance. The glance has a ha- halo and a reflection of the halo. The reflection of the halo of the glance. Uh, it touches material energy. So that's really far, far away from Krishna. Um, and uh, so same thing when Krishna appears here in the material world. It means he's this far away. He never connects or never contacts the material form. Um, The wonderful form of Krishna in his personal feature is so great that it attracts even Krishna to taste his own association. Indeed, Krishna becomes very eager to taste it. Total beauty, knowledge, wealth, strength, fame and renunciation are the six opulences of Krishna. He is eternally situated in his opulences. Um, Okay, that verse is not quoted here. It comes somewhere later. What? So, this is a verse from Lalita Madhava, and uh, it's a very nice pastime. Krishna's, uh, Krishna's looking for Satyabhama in New Vrindavan, which is a garden in Dwarka. And uh, he 
he passes by uh, a, a little temple, and uh, and when he's as he's passing by the polished marble of the of of the temple, then he just takes it. He just uh, has a double take. He he uh, sees, you know, he he went past, and then what did I see? And uh, he sees himself, and he says, oh, "What is that verse?" Well, I don't know if it's in this book, but maybe. It's in um, chapter 3, Adilila. Huh? Chapter 3 in Adilila. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <coughs> Ati? Pass it over. What's going on? Should I find it? Yes. Yes. I thought you found it. You're the one who said you found it. Okay, I won't wait. But anyway, when Krishna stops and he sees uh, his uh, reflection, he he doesn't uh, he becomes so uh, it, it's such a experience that uh, he thinks that he's actually seeing somebody else. You got it, Adi? What's the problem? You got a book? You look up a number. <coughs> Um, and uh, and he thinks that uh, he's seeing somebody. So then, you know, if Adi Guru would have given us uh, that verse, then uh, he's just amazed. He says, who, who is this person? He says, I desire to uh, embrace him uh, and to worship him just like uh, Srimati Radharani worships me. In other words, in Krishna, this Radhabhav uh, awoke just by seeing his own form. Obviously, Krishna saw his form re- regularly because every morning when he would be dressed, they would show a mirror in front of him, but uh, he would be with others. Uh, and uh, he wasn't necessarily by himself. And when you're by yourself, then you can be more free and uh, open. So this is what uh, Lord Chaitanya here is saying, uh, is that uh, even uh, Krishna is very eager to taste his own beauty. Bhushanera, Bhushana Anga, Tahin Lalita Tribhanga. Tahara upara bhrudhanu nartan terache nitrantaban tara tara dridha sadhan binde radha gopi gana mana. 
ornaments caress that body. But the transcendental body of Krishna is so beautiful that it beautifies the ornaments he wears. Therefore, Krishna's body is said to be the ornament of ornaments. Bhushanera Bhushana Anga. Enhancing the wonderful beauty is his three curved style of standing. Above all these features, Krishna's eyes dance and move obliquely, acting like arrows to pierce the minds of Srimati Radharani and the gopis. When the arrow succeeds in hitting its target, their minds become agitated. So, uh, what uh, beautiful uh, meditation. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is like, you know, speaking what he is uh, seeing, uh, that actually Krishna's body is so beautiful that he is uh, beautifying the ornaments that he wears. Uh, but further enhancing Krishna's beauty is the way he stands. And, you know, we get used to Krishna standing like this. But it's uh, one of the ornaments of his beauty, how he stands. Uh, in other words, this is how he shows off. In other words, he's showing off, Krishna's showing off his beauty. He's, uh, he, he does that before... He comes back to Vrindavan, you know, he checks his crown and everything, and asks the coward boys, how do I look? And before uh, uh, they're, they're coming in. So he's just like a regular teenage coward boy, and he wants to look good before the girls. Uh, and, uh, and this standing, of course, it has... Uh, different ideas. Krishna's, Krishna's feet are always there and uh, always we try to put Srimati Radharani's uh, skirt goes on top of Krishna's right heel. Um, so that's increasing uh, Krishna's uh, beauty. And meanwhile, of course, uh, when when you say, oh, look at that beautiful person, then what are you going to look at? You, generally, your eyes will always just go straight for the face. You don't look at their feet. <laughs> just, you look at their face. So uh, immediately we want to see, see their face. Uh, and uh, in the face, the eyes are the eyes, the mouth, are the two most expressive parts of the face. Unless you happen to know how to move your ears. Then, uh, but the eyes and the mouth, uh, they, they say everything. The eyes is a, a little more mysterious, uh, and the mouth is very explicit. So you're happy, you're sad, you're upset, etc. It shows immediately on the mouth. In the eyes, you know, you can hide it and you can uh, mouth, it comes out immediately. So his eyes are dancing and moving obliquely, 
I'm not sure if that's the best word, oblique. What does oblique actually mean? Side to side, is that what? Oblique, oblique means more crooked. Uh, and they act as arrows to pierce some, a glance. When we're always reading about this glance, uh, the glance of the arrows that pierce uh, the Gopi's heart, Srimati Radharani's heart. So uh, a, a glance can say so much. Uh, and the, uh, anyone look it up? Oblique? Ferde. Crooked? Crooked. Indirectly, not directly. Indirectly. Huh? Indirectly. Indirectly. Okay, then it's correct. I'm wrong. Obliquely, acting like arrows to pierce the mind, and it pierced the mind. Arrows piercing the body, but now here we're talking about arrows that pierce the mind. So piercing the minds of Mishrimati Radharani and the gopis. Uh, when the arrows succeed in hitting its target, then their minds become agitated. This, yes, finally. Aparikalita purva kaschamat kamrakari spuratima magari annesham madhurya pura ayam aha api hanta prekshayam lubda cheta who manifests an abundance of sweetness greater than mine, which has never been experienced before and which causes wonder to all? Alas, I myself, my mind bewildered upon seeing this beauty, impetuously desires to enjoy it like Srimati Radharani. So, th- this is Krishna's, uh, Krishna's eternal pastime, this uh, enjoyment. Uh, ultimately, he is, uh, this was yours, right? Uh, so, Upanishads say, uh, what do Upanishads say? Uh, Purusha. Uh, no, yeah, the other, that's, that's also, but uh, uh, anyway, you do forget, verses do get forgotten as, as you go along, but uh, he is the supreme enjoyer. So, Krishna, that is Krishna's uh, identity as the enjoyer. And our position here in the material world is that we are envious of that position. And so, we want to enjoy. 
We want to, men want to have their own Radharani, women want to have their own Krishna, uh, they want to have their own children and family, they want to enjoy so many things. Uh, they make up all kinds of, you know, social, social norms to validate their illegal activities and illicit activities. Uh, but ultimately, that's what it all is. It's, it's, all, it's all illicit. Uh, and Srila Prabhupada uh, said that on a, uh, on a talk. He was talking about illicit sex. He said, actually, all sex is illicit. Because you're just trying to experience what Krishna's experiencing. But that's not, uh, that's not our business. Uh, our business is to be serving uh, Krishna, to be Krishna's servants. That's our, that's our real identity. So, uh, Krishna's beauty is so attractive that it attracts him, and it makes him want to enjoy it like Srimati Radharani, because she is the one, and of course that's there in the fourth chapter of Adi Lila, she is the one who is most capable of enjoying Krishna's beauty because she has the greatest love. Oh yes, but I was saying, but this is like an eternal quest and we can't even imagine Krishna's like, I mean, he's just so unlimited. He's so unlimited, even though he's in a finite form, uh, but still he's unlimited, that finite form Although it's finite, but it has no inside and outside, and has no up and down, and everything's inside of it, and he's inside of everything, uh, and it's he's the cause of everything. So it's uh, it's mind-boggling. Krishna's form is mind-boggling, uh, and his quest uh, for enjoyment. And the highest form of enjoyment is enjoying love, exchanges of love. So the exchange of love uh, is uh, Krishna's uh, eternal quest that never ends. And it's always increasing and increasing and increasing. The beauty of Krishna's body is so attractive that it not only attracts the demigods and other living entities within this material world, but the personalities of the spiritual sky as well, including the Narayans, who are expansions of Krishna's personality. The minds of the Narayans are thus attracted by the beauty of Krishna's body. In addition, the goddesses of fortune, Lakshmi's, who are the wives of the Narayans, and are the women described in the Vedas as the most chaste, are also attracted by the wonderful beauty of Krishna. And, uh, well, Krishna himself is attracted by his form. That we spoke about. Now, Krishna's expansions are attracted to Krishna as well. And Srimati Radharani's expansions, the Lakshmi's, are also attracted. Everyone is attracted to Krishna. 
favoring the gopis, Krishna rides on the chariot of their minds. And just to receive loving service from them, he attracts their minds like Cupid. Therefore, he is also called Madan Mohan, the attractor of Cupid. Cupid has five arrows, representing form, taste, smell, sound, and touch. Krishna is the owner of these five arrows, and with his Cupid-like beauty, he conquers the minds of the gopis, though they are very proud of their super-excellent beauty. Becoming a new Cupid, Krishna attracts their minds and engages in the rasa dance. We'll continue here next time. Um, this is uh, so wonderful uh, literature that is full of so much content. And Kaviraj Goswami says it's like fluffing cotton, where when you give these explanations, you have a cotton ball. And then you fluff it, and you pull it, and you pull it, and you pull it, and it becomes big, big, big. So similarly, uh, all of these, one shloka, and you puff it, and puff it, and puff it, and uh, it's still the same, but it has more and more content to it. Uh, such a wonderful thing, Chaitanya Charitamrita. Srila uh, Prabhupada would say that Bhakti Stanta Saraswati Thakur would read it in his uh, spare time. In other words, when he had spare time, he'd sit and read Chaitanya Charitamrita. And we should read these books over and over and over and over again, uh, study and learn. Uh, it is, uh, they are unlimited oceans of nectar. I remember once I was in Radakund visiting uh, one of my godbrothers, and uh, we were talking, and one young man, 25 years old, passed by. And uh, he told me, that Baba, of course he was just a Babaji living there, he says, that Baba knows the entire Chaitanya Charitamrita off by heart. He says, ask him any verse, anywhere, and he knows it. Of course, if you're Bengali, it's not so difficult. <laughs> it's one thing to memorize something when you don't even know what it means, uh, when it's not your language. Uh, for instance, it's easier to memorize something in English Oh, Romeo, Romeo, where <laughs> uh, Than it is to l memorize something in Sanskrit or Bengali. Hmm. Okay, thank you very much. I don't have any prasadam to pass out to devotees, but uh, that's okay. Uh, next time, and we'll, we'll see, maybe we'll blend. Kirtan. I couldn't do kirtan today, uh, not, not in the physical shape to do that. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.
Jai Srila Prabhupada ki jai. Shri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu ki jai. Gani Tai Gaura Premarandi. Hari 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 Bo. Krishna Mala. An explosion rocked the popular tourist area in central Istanbul with casualties reported, the city's governor says. Um, doesn't say where. Local media images from areas show large number of emergency vehicles, people fleeing the these. Istiklal Street. Taxi. That's in taxi. taxi. Main street. Wow. Where do Hainan sometimes? Like not Hainan, but sitting Hainan. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Hare Krishna. Hare. Ladies and gentlemen, you got something, Hare? Oh, yeah, that's right. Who was that? Uh, Naika. Yeah. Because Nanda's going to America, so you take him. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much, everyone. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow. Best meal I've ever had. It was nice, wasn't it? Yes, and I talked to Brother because she said that uh, on Wednesday, uh, Bhavananda Prabhu, that Neem uh, Begun, but the uh, eggplant has to be really cooked dark. Black, Neem Begun. So eat it with a kitri. Okay. I bet you can't cook like her. She told me she's a good cook. Okay, and uh, you're going to get some sweet over there from uh, Tirtha Raj's Lotus Hands. (laughs) (laughs) Sweet hands. Sweet hands. Thank you. 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 Thank